This is the Dirt Track Flashback Podcast with Toby LaGrange. Welcome everyone to the very first episode of Dirt Track Flashback with yours truly, Toby LaGrange. What exactly is the Dirt Track Flashback Podcast, might you ask? Well, I'm glad that you asked, because the Dirt Track Flashback Podcast is a podcast that takes a look at the days gone by in our great sport of Northeast Dirt Track Racing. We will take a look at old programs and magazines and talk about the news that they covered. We will play old race calls from the first 10 years of my announcing career from various tracks and listen to interviews that I conducted during that time period. We will also do book reviews from local authors and books that are about local drivers and much, much more. For episode number one, we're going to go back a couple of years to the second episode of what is now called the LaGrange Media Podcast. Back then it was called the Cow Palace Podcast, and the, and the episode that I'm going to replay is a reading of the interview I did with the late, great Jack Johnson more than a decade ago. It was one of the last interviews that Jumpin' Jack did, and I was, was and am very grateful to have had the chance to do it for the Area Auto Racing News and their annual Super Dirt Week issue. Like all podcasts going forward from LaGrange Media Productions, the Dirt Track Flashback podcast will be released in both audio and video form. Be sure to subscribe to the LaGrange Media YouTube page by searching at LaGrange Media. And of course, to give us a five-star review on whatever audio platform you are listening to this podcast on. With all that said, episode number one of the Dirt Track Flashback podcast is next. About 30 minutes southwest of Albany, the small town of Duanesburg, New York, is best known for its rich agriculture and farmland. However, to thousands of race fans throughout the Northeast and beyond, the Schenectady County town is famous for being home to one of the most recognizable names in dirt-modified racing, Jack Johnson. Since enduring a hard wreck in Turn 1 at the final Speedway a couple of seasons ago, Jumpin' Jack has been pretty silent, privately dealing with ongoing health issues. On an early fall afternoon, I had the honor and privilege of sitting down with the two-time Super Dirt Week champion and discussing his thoughts on our great sport, both past and present. It has been 27 years since Jack dominated the 1984 season, winning everything you could win on the New York State Fairgrounds Oval, including his final Super Dirt Week triumph. What follows are 27 topics we discussed while sitting at a picnic table located behind the Payneburn Road speed shop he made famous. And before I start reading the um, question and answer part of this. Uh, I just want to let you know again, I'm reading this for the first time in 10 years and I could make some mistakes. I'm also battling a cold. So if I don't sound myself, I apologize ahead of time. Myself, what do you miss most about getting behind the wheel? Jumping Jack. It's the driving and competition, just racing. It's hard to miss anything because Ronnie is racing, other than driving, but I can't even miss that because of my health. I couldn't even race if I wanted to. There's not too much I honestly miss about it because I am still involved with him. Myself, you have accomplished so much in this sport. Is there anything out there that you haven't accomplished that you wish you had? Jumpin' Jack. To be honest with you, Toby, no. I have always said this. I have been lucky to be able to do something that I love and I have been able to make a living on. I love doing what I was doing and there are not too many more things that I think I could have done other than just win more. Myself. Of those many accomplishments, which ones are you most proud of? Jumpin' Jack. Winning the Flemington 200 in 1972. It was the first time I had ever been to that track, and it was their first 200. It was a real challenging racetrack. 
naturally winning Syracuse 1979 and being the first New Yorker to win it ranks right up there. Myself, you were a long-time regular at the Albany-Saratoga Speedway. What are your thoughts on C.J. Richards announcing that the track is officially for sale? It's too bad. It's a shame. But the way it's go- it was going, I didn't like what was going on there. I don't like asphalt racing. It's just a shame. What else can you say? Now, let me preface this by saying this was before Howard Commander and Lyle DeVore took over the Albany-Saratoga Speedway. Myself, every driver has someone they turn to when they first start out. Who was it for you? Jumpin' Jack, there were a lot of guys that I turned to for advice in my career, like Jeep Herbert and Kenny Shoemaker. They were probably two of the most helpful guys when I started racing. Myself, was there anyone that you looked up to on the track? Jumpin' Jack, I looked up to all the guys that were winning back then. Pete Corey, Lou Lazaro. It's hard to say Lou Lazaro because I raced with him. Jeep, Kenny, and Will Cagle as well. For me, or I'm sorry, myself, uh, for me, one of the best things about growing up in the 1980s was your rivalry with C.D. Coville. Now, some are comparing that rivalry with the brewing ones between Ronnie and Bobby Varon. Do you see any similarities? Jumpin' Jack. Not really. Honestly, they're both hard chargers. You know when they are running. You know that they are behind you. They're never going to quit. If there was a 200-lap race, then you'd better race for 200 laps. I know CD would run right to the end, and I know Bobby runs the same way. They are very similar. There was a lot of electricity back then, when CD fans were around and my fans. Everybody thought we were enemies, but we were real, really good friends. We really were. I mean, I would have done anything for him, and I am sure if I needed something and he had it, he would have done the same for me. They made it seem worse. I mean, on the racetrack, we weren't friends. Naturally, because we both wanted to win. Myself. What do you remember the most about racing against CD? Jumpin' Jack. There never really were any bad parts. He was very challenging. Like I said, when you raced with him, you had to race hard, or you weren't going to run first. He was going to be right there. Whether he had a flat tire, broken shock, or whatever, he just would run hard. Myself. We know who you looked up to on the track, but who were the drivers you loved to race with? Jumpin' Jack. I liked them all, to be honest with you. I really did. I probably learned the most from running with Cagle. Back then, he was so much more advanced than we were, and he brought our playing field to another level. We had to, get, we had to really get our act together to race with him. One year, I think I ran second to him 16 times. It was like 1971 or 1972. Myself. Have you won 11 track championships at Fonda? How does the feeling of winning those compare to seeing Ronnie win his first? Jumpin' Jack. I know that Ronnie had to be really happy, especially growing up watching what I did, what Louie did. He has been going to the races since he was a baby. I am sure it's something he really wanted to accomplish. I tell you, he did a really good job this year. Myself. Over the years, you have given Ronnie countless pieces of advice. What do you think is the most important? Jumpin' Jack. Honestly, do not act stupid on the racetrack or off the racetrack. Just carry yourself real well around people. And when you get out of the race car, and this is my deal, when the race is over, it's over. Just turn the page. Myself. When Ronnie first made it clear that he wanted to race, what did you tell him? Jumpin' Jack. He had better learn to work hard on the race car and want to work on it because I wasn't going to work on it for him. You know what? He could have raced a lot earlier in his career if he wanted to. Until he really showed me that he was serious about wanting to work on the race car, it wasn't going to happen. 
I had a race car sitting there all ready to go. I gave it to him, but not until he wanted to work on it. Ronnie was so much more advanced than most of these guys at that age, or at that stage, because he was working with me. But until he wanted to work on the race car and devote all of his time to it, it wasn't going to happen. This isn't all fun and games. Myself. Who are some others that had the same work ethic? Bobby, uh, uh, Jumpin' Jack. Bobby Varon used to come here, as, here years ago. I gave him parts and helped him. That kid worked. CD is another one. I remember him in the garage with a sand floor working like a dog because he wanted to race. That's the way I did it. You want to race, then you have to go out and work on the race car. My father wasn't going to do it for me. Myself. Looking out over the local fields, is there anybody out there right now that reminds you of yourself? Jumpin' Jack. Honestly, Ronnie does. He works hard. He's very serious about it. There's no BS in the garage. He takes it very seriously and loves what he's doing. That's the way I was, and honestly, I lived it, I ate it, and I slept it. It was my life. Myself. If an inspiring, if an inspiring driver came to you for advice on getting started, what would you tell them? Jumpin' Jack. If you want to drive a race car, get your butt in the garage. Actually, what I would do is tell them to work with a race team for a year or two and learn to be a mechanic. Learn the ins and outs, how to mount tires, how to adjust valves, and how to set up a race car. A lot of these guys don't know what camber is or anything. They don't know what stagger is. It's a shame. I mean, you wouldn't believe the cars that come here. These young guys just don't know. Myself. Back when you first started racing, you had to build pretty much everything. Today, hardly anything is built. What are your thoughts on the cars of today? Jumpin' Jack. Listen, that's the way it is. It's the same for everybody. I don't like it, but you know what? Think about it. If you had to go to the junkyard and buy all the stuff, where would you go anyway? It's almost got to be this way. It's kind of like a racetrack. People complain about racetracks. It's slippery, but it's the same for everybody. I feel the same way about race cars. The only thing that I don't like is that it's so expensive. A young guy wants to get started today. It's a tough deal. It's sickening, really. That budget sportsman class is probably the best deal that's come along right now for a young guy that wants to get involved in racing, as long as they police the rules. Myself, Brett Hearn and Dave Lape have promoted events. Have you ever considered doing the same? Jumpin' Jack, at one time I thought that I wanted to do it, but you know what? Just looking at the way the economy is, watching what Rick Lucia goes through, Rick is a good friend of mine, but with all the rain ounce and all that he's got to do to get that thing done, I really don't think I could do it anymore. I would have to be 20 years younger. Myself. Hypothetically, if you were part, put in charge of Super Dirt Week and your only focus was to improve it, what would you do? That's a hard question. First thing is that the racetrack sucks. I mean, it's really not a race. There's a lot of luck involved there, but you know what? That's a real hard question. I would really have to think about that. Other than the racetrack being groomed well, and I don't know how they can control that with the state involved, they just don't want to spend the money. Myself. There used to be three races on the Moody Mile each year. Fourth of July, Labor Day, and Super Dirt Week. Do you think if they returned to that, it would help? Jumping Jack. That would help, but I am sure the way the state runs it, you couldn't do it anyway. You know, it gives you an edge if you have a car just for Super Dirt Week. I don't like that. I don't like that you have to have a car just for that racetrack and can only run it one time. Myself. Of your Syracuse accomplishments, which ones are you most proud of? Jumping Jack. In 1984, I went there, Syracuse, and I won the 4th of July race, the Labor Day race. I sat in the pole for Super Dirt Week. 
won the Winners Classic, and won the race. It's never been done before, and I'm really proud of that. I won everything they had that year. Myself. What are some things that you don't see track promoters doing right now that you think they should be doing? Jumping Jack. That's another hard question because of the way the economy is. There are a lot of things that I think they should do, but it will never happen just because of the money situation. There are a lot of things that if I was a promoter, I would want to see, like rules to control the cost. But you know what? We have been saying this for 30 or 40 years, and it never happens. And I don't think it will ever, well, it will ever change. I really don't. Myself. In your eyes, how has racing changed over the past 20 or 30 years? Jumping Jack. Money. Really. Just think about the expense. It's brutal. If you want to start racing and you want it to run Fonda or Lebanon Valley in a modified, you would need around $30,000 for a motor, another twenty-five dollars to $30,000 for a car. Where does the average guy get that today? I remember winning the Christopher Columbus race in 1972 at Fonda. A Canadian, Frank Hodge, came to me, up to me after the race I wanted to buy my car. I sold it for $6,000. Think about it. A car, motor, tires, and everything. He put it in the trailer and took off with it. He bought it right there off from Checkboard Square from me. Myself. What about these young guys in carts? Jumpin' Jack. I feel sorry for these young guys in go-karts that want to race. How are you going to do it financially? That's another thing. You talk about advice for the young guys. They should start in go-karts and get a feel. Ronnie did. Dave Lape did. I did. To jump right in a modified today is a tough deal. Myself. What are your thoughts on the current state of dirt modified racing as a whole? Not good. I mean, it's very obvious what's going on. It all comes back to money. They say the promoter should pay more. How can they pay more? Just look at them grandstands. It's horrible. I don't know what's going on. Maybe there are too many computer games, etc. You can't get a young kid to help. All of these guys working on Ronnie's cars are my guys. They're all in their 50s and 60s. Where are the young guys that want to work on race cars? Myself. Outside of Ronnie, who are some of your favorite drivers to watch these days? Jumpin' Jack. I like Ryan Odez at Fonda. I like watching Bobby Varon. He is good. When Dave Kamara was racing, I helped him. I also helped Billy Decker. I loved watching Billy. Jumpin' Jack. Or excuse me, Ariato, which is myself. Jack, I'm going to mention a name or place. Please tell me the first thing that comes to mind when you hear it. Lou Lazaro. Jumpin' Jack. Outstanding. Because he could run dirt and asphalt. Go anywhere and win. Albany Saratoga Speedway. In the Bruce Richards era. Jumpin' Jack. Pathetic. At one time, they had the best of the best there. I was there from day one when it was dirt. It was unreal. Dave Lape. Jumpin' Jack. Good driver. He is dedicated. Rick Lucia. Jumpin' Jack. Good friend. He works very hard. Probably harder than anyone else. I've ever seen work on a racetrack. Crate engines. Jumpin' Jack. Good if they police it. If they police it, then I think it's the best thing going. Barefoot Bob McCready. Jumpin' Jack. Good friend, probably one of the best racers I ever raced, to, ever raced with. The late Gene DeWitt. Jumpin' Jack. I never met anybody that loved racing as much as Gene did. He was the best sponsor that I ever had. Bruce Richards. Jumpin' Jack. I honestly believe Bruce probably works hard on the racetrack and promotes well, but he is not a people person. Glenn Donnelly. Jumpin' Jack. I was probably one of the biggest guys that complained about Glenn Donnelly, but going back and thinking, he was probably the best thing that ever happened to dirt racing. He and I had our ins and outs, but being honest, he is the best thing that ever happened to dirt track racing, and we didn't appreciate it. Dirt Car Northeast. Jumpin' Jack. 
at the time, terrible. I think they're all about money and they have just run the thing into the ground. Let me preface that. That was back 10 years ago. Things have definitely changed. Brett Hearn, Jumpin' Jack. Brett Hearn is probably one of the best prepared race drivers and car owners, car owners that I have ever come across. His record speaks for itself. He is well-spoken and can attract sponsors. He is very accomplished. Howard Commander, Jumpin' Jack. Howie is a friend of mine. Howie is Howie. Lebanon Valley speaks for itself. He packs the place. Myself. There's one question that the racing world has wanted to know the answer. I'm sorry, let me, let me repeat that. There's one question that the racing world has wanted to know the answer to for a couple of years. How is Jack Johnson? Jumping Jack. Honestly, Toby, I'm going through a time right now where I don't even know what's going on. I've got some muscle problems in my arms and shoulders. I have been going to the doctor once a month, and I go for therapy three times a week. How am I doing? I am just going to hang in there and just keep doing what I am doing until I find out what's wrong. I really don't know what's going on, but I just, I will just keep fighting. It is always beneficial to look back on some of your old work and see how you have changed over the years. You may learn a thing or two about yourself. I know I sure as heck did while editing the now two-year-old original episode. But above all else, it was an honor to be able to talk to Jumpin' Jack back then, and it is something that I will cherish forever. Until next time, stay safe and support those that support racing. And remember to do your best to keep the honest history of our great sport alive. So long for now.